In our culture today, financial stress is completely normal. You see, it's almost, you see it in almost everyone you come in contact with. Today, living paycheck to paycheck is considered what the world tells us normal. Having monthly payments and debt are normal. Worry, anxiety, fear, especially in a a slower economic time is normal. And sadly, having tension in your relationship, fights, if you are married, it's very, very normal. Having little or no financial balance is normal. And that's the reason that I don't like normal. (laughs) Because normal isn't working anymore. Financial balance. If I want to give you a little bit of a working definition of this, that I've kind of been thinking through in this, and and what does it mean to have that balance? And I believe that the, the balance is the amount available beyond what is necessary. That could be time balance, that could be relational balance, the amount that is available beyond what is necessary. So financially, you could say if you take home $3,000 a month and you only spend $2,500, you've got a balance of $500. But if you take home $3,000 and spend $3,000, there's nothing left, right? We're, we're pretty good at math today, right? Three minus three, zero, good. So if you take home $3,000 and spend out $3,500, which unfortunately is what most of the world is doing, that's beyond what is available. So what does financial balance look like in our everyday lives? I think this is what it looks like. It's having money left over at the end of the month. I didn't say how much, but having money left over at the end of the month, it's possible and it's a good thing. It's having money available when you want to give to someone in need without the stress and worry of what that's going to look like in your life. It's having the ability to, to enjoy other things. Maybe if you've had this financial balance, you could hire someone to to clean a house and now you have more time. You can develop your time balance. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, I believe is a great verse to commit to memory. This is what it says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In the house of the wise, there is balance. In the house of the wise, there is more than enough. In the house of the wise, there is more than you need. But a foolish person lives month to month. A foolish person devours all he has, and in the world of credit, maybe even more. But you know what's interesting to me about this verse? It doesn't say the house of the wealthy. It doesn't say the house of the two-income family. It doesn't say the house of the six-figure income. It doesn't have any of that. It says the house of the wise. There is a wise way for us to manage the money that God entrusts to us. And there's a foolish way to manage what God has given us. I'll give you an example. I've got two friends. And these two friends, they represent any number of people in the community. My first friend lives honestly like most people and, 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 and well, their home, when I go to it, it's an absolutely beautiful home. You walk in and the, the yard is manicured. 
Like there's even distance from the sidewalk to where the grass starts. I don't know what that looks like in my house. So, but, but I guess that's something that you can do to make it look really nice. You know, maybe some of you have this. But even when the doorbell rings, you know, when, I, when you ring my doorbell, the back one works anyway. But it, you, you sometimes hear it and it's like that ding dong. But others, this house is like do 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 do. I mean, it's crazy, right? They got this amazing, uh, the, the bathrooms are huge. In fact, they're closed closet can hold three of my bathrooms, so it's, it's, it's just unbelievable, this house, and their children are always put together and clean, and there's no Legos on the floor. What is life like like that? I don't know, but I'm telling you, even though it all looks beautiful and put together, but if you get beyond the appearance, you're going to find what they really don't have any financial balance You see, the wife recently had to go back to work and that's not what she wants to do and the husband's afraid of of losing his job and they're fighting all the time just trying to keep up with this lifestyle. It looks good, but I'm telling you, that's not the home that I want. Now, I have another friend. It's a totally different lifestyle. You walk into their home and, and to be honest, you've gotta be careful right? It's a lot like mine. You don't know where the Lego or the micro machines are. They will destroy the bottom of your foot. But, but you'll have fun. The kids are laughing and playing. Their vehicles have probably 100,000 miles on both of them. But they were telling me how much they have already saved in preparing for their children's education. They told me they're so rich their house is, I believe that's a house of the wise. The house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish one devours all he has. So now we look at the words that, that Paul uh, writes to Timothy in, in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 10 that, that Dave read for us this morning. And you can see these two families highlighted beautifully here. The small home with, with the balance could be what the Bible says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to understand that Paul didn't say it's just this marginal gain, just this decent gain. He says it's great gain. Godliness with contentment. You're content with life. You enjoy what's going on. You're, you're kind of at this peace. It's great gain. It's a win. This is fantastic news to be at that place of peace. For we've brought nothing into this world, the scripture says, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with with that. That's the gain, being happy with what you have, what God has provided, and not looking for the next thing. Then there are other families that look like they're doing well, but really they aren't. The Bible says in verse nine, but people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money and things and the next and the newest have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. What are the many griefs that we see today? We see debt causing tremendous grief. 
We see financial pressure causing this grief. We see stress causing grief, financial tension over money causing grief. We see people unable to enjoy the blessings that they have because they are always worried about money. Margin, barely living, and foolish versus wise. What's the problem? Why is it that so many of us trade in balance and flexibility and security and peace and all of this for material things that do not last? Well, I believe our culture is convincing us of a lie. Our culture is lying to us over and over again. Our culture is telling us that this definition of happiness and the definition that they're giving us is that happiness is more than you have right now. That's what the world is telling us. Whatever you have, it's not enough. If you want something else, then you'll be happy. If you just get a little bit more, then you'll be happy. Our culture is yelling at us. You deserve it. If you can't afford it, it's okay. Make payments. Get it now. It's going to make you happy. You've got to get it now. We live in a world now where the 20-somethings are wanting to live in the lifestyle that their parents are living in currently. The only problem they don't realize is it took their parents 30 years to get there. The crazy thing that many of us are blessed beyond that we could possibly imagine. And yet some are more miserable than you've ever been. Because our culture, most of us have lifestyled our way straight past this balance that God is providing. It's not an income problem for most. Some will say, if I only made more money. But it's not an income problem. It becomes this lifestyle problem. And as your income goes up, your lifestyle trails. When we have balance, our lifestyle keeps pushing us forward. So it's not just a lifestyle problem, but also a spiritual problem. That's what we have. We have a spiritual problem. Matthew chapter 6, in the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching and he says in verse 19 through 21, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. That's the opposite of what the world's telling us, what people's lifetime goal is, to store up, to get more and more and more. Jesus said, don't do that, that's so foolish. He said, instead, store up treasures in heaven. Don't do that. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think a very simple translation of that says, where your money goes, your heart follows. The average Christian in our world today gives 2% of its income to the church, to God. 2%. That means about 98% goes to the world. And that means our heart is going to the world Wonder why we have problems, we have more of the world and we're not satisfied with God because it's a spiritual problem. We actually think that more is going to make us happy. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we create this financial balance? I think the answer is pretty simple. You don't even have to write it down because if we think about it honestly, it's easy. You earn more or spend less, right? Not that difficult. You can do both and that may help you out even more. 
but earn more or spend less. But you know that. That's logical, that's, that's practical. So how do we move beyond the practical and into the spiritual? How do we create balance with the money that God has given to us? The answer is simple. You must put God first. God must be first in your finances. Because in our world, we tend to come first. If I want it, we're gonna get it. If we have anything left over, then we'll, we'll bring it to God and, and see what happens. God is coming in late on this deal. But in reality, when we seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. When we seek God first, and I'm not just talking about with the tithe, although that's a big part of it, but I'm talking about prayerful, about being close to God, about genuinely asking him, God, how would you have me manage the resources that you've entrusted to my care? Say you've got to go and get a new vehicle or new or new to you vehicle. What would it be like if all of a sudden you see the figure on the table that the salesman brought to you, you know, this kind of pass it on the piece of paper and read it over and you said, let us pray. I bet the salesman might see if he could find a better deal or she'd go see if she could talk to somebody else about it. Bring God into the situation, not sarcastically, but seriously pray about where God is leading you and guiding you. God, how would you have me manage the resources you've given to me? And sincerely seeking God's will and his direction, we put him first. We're gonna see the most incredible benefits of our life. And I think there's three, but to be honest, there's probably many, many more. So what happens when you put God first? you will experience God's blessing. You will experience God's blessing. Malachi chapter three, verses eight and 10, scripture tells us, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's, that's the church. Bring 10% of what God trusts to us into the house of God, that there may be food in my house. You can almost see God saying, you know, when I tell you this, you're gonna say, no, 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 that's crazy. You've got to be on something. This isn't right. But God says this. He says, test me in this. This is the scripture in Malachi chapter eight, three, verses eight and 10. He says, test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. What does tithing teach us? When we bring our first, the first 10% of our best, God will bless the rest of it. It trains us, it teaches us that God will do more with 90% than we could ever do with 100%. It's one of the most tangible, practical ways that we can put God first. Because we have to rearrange our lives around God. We rearrange, when we give the 10%, we know what's left. We arrange our trips, our eating out, our extra things. We have to say no to many things in this world so we can say yes to putting God first. The biblical, honorable, faithful tithe of returning 10% to God. 
But you know what else giving to God does? It blesses us, but it breaks the power of materialism and consumerism in our lives. One of the powerful things that we've done as a family is we cut cable. It gets kind of expensive, you know? So we thought this was an easy way. So we've got Netflix and and we can watch some of the things and we've got an antenna so I still get my Today Show or whatever. But when Christmas rolls around and the girls are making their list, they have no idea what the world is telling them they have to have. Amazingly, they don't see any of those commercials and needing the newest and the best. Now sometimes that makes a struggle for Santa Claus. They don't have this desire. It breaks the power of materialism and it forces us to let go of some of the places our money's been going. And when we give the tithe to God, that's when people can see a blessing. And some people may say, Stephanie, I I don't have that balance should I wait till I have that balance to start tithing? I don't have that money left over. And, and I want to challenge you. Because I think we can move to a tithe now. Because it breaks the very thing that led us to this imbalanced life. It builds faith. And you'll see God's hand at work and his provisions. And we put God's first, returning the 10% back to God in the form of a tithe, you will see his blessing. The second thing, when you put God first in your finances, you will become content. This supernatural, spiritual, you can't explain it, unexplainable peace when you seek him, when you pray when you ask for divine direction and his wisdom to do with the resources that he entrusts, you will become content. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16, it says this, better. The first word is better. It's better to have little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. There are few people in our society today that believe that's true. That the word of God And it's absolutely true. Better with little and God. Better with a a little peace than a big house. Better better is with God than, than these nice cars, great wealth that comes with turmoil. Better. Better. So we look at our world and We see the pressure to have the newest and the best and the biggest and the brightest and the coolest features, but better is less. To have a little with the fear of God than great wealth and turmoil. When you seek God first, when you get closer to God, you don't need those things because God is enough. You're not driven with with trying to fill your life with something that's just out there because God is enough. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. We want the desires of the world, but better when you seek God, when you tithe, when you put God first, you will experience God's presence, God's provision, and God's blessing in your life, and you will be content. The third you will end up with more of what matters. You will end up with more of what matters. 
You may not have what everyone else wants physically, but you will have what everyone else desires spiritually, and you will end up with more of what matters. Proverbs 8, 18 and 19 says, when God was talking about wisdom, he says, with me are riches and honor. With me are lasting wealth and success. My fruit is better than fine gold. My gifts are better than the finest silver. God says these things that I give better than the things of the world. When you put God first, instead of filling your life with things that don't really matter, you will fill your things with what truly does, and it will be better. You will have balance. You will have this financial balance with time and life and money, and you will spend time with the people that matter and the people you love. You will invest in the things that are most important. You will be rich relationally with others. You will be rich spiritually because of the blessings of God being bestowed upon you. You will be better. So I think about this and I, I try to come up with this consuming, emotional, it's what the preachers do, a story to kind of captivate you in this. But I can't tell you one. Maybe I walked into a store, I was gonna buy a pair of boots and they were 30% off. Praise God, they were 30% off. But that's not it. I remember when Jonathan and I I've not always had the newest and the best. My parents blessed me with a vehicle before I went off to school and that carried with me for close to 13 years before it breathed its last. And Jonathan and I were driving back and forth. We were up in seminary in Atlanta going to school full time, both of us getting our master's degree at Emory. (laughs) That's a fun bill. And then we would drive home on the weekends and, and preach in our local ministries And it would have been easy to keep all of it, just to have an extra meal and not not to worry. But we had made a commitment very early on in our relationship that God was gonna have to be first in everything. That meant our finances. And it's easy to look at it and say, you know what, I can't, God. I've got too much I've gotta take care of. I've got to be able to eat. I've got to be able to get back to Atlanta to go to school to do what you've called me to do. But I'm truly amazed at the blessings that God just pours out in those times. Little handshakes every now and then that come with a little blessing, if you know what I mean. Enough of God in your life is going to fill you where the other things don't matter. It's your choice. How are you going to put God first? How are you going to experience his blessing and be supernaturally, spiritually content in your life? How are you going to know that you will get all that matters most? It's a lifestyle issue, yes. But at the root of it all, it's this spiritual issue And the choice is yours. Are you going to put you first or God first? And I believe putting God first is better. And in that you will find balance with your money. Will you join me now as we go to God in prayer?
God, I pray that we would experience your better life. God, forgive us of all the ways that we sell out for the things that do not last. Lord, there are many of us in this room right now that have pressure, we have tension, and it is a spiritual issue, and we are ready for something better. God, we, we want to live in such a way that even though we may have this pressure, we know and we believe in you. God, we pray that we would be wise enough to see the better way through your word. We pray that, that you would bless everyone here in every way possible. And God, I pray is that each of us put you first, that we would see that you can do more with 90 than we ever could think about with all of it. And God, I thank you for the times and the ways that you're going to provide. I thank you that the power of the tithe will break the grip of materialism in all of our lives and that we will put you first. God, I thank you that we will be content and that we will find godliness with contentment. And it is great gain. Great gain. God, give us the courage and the faith to say no to what everyone else wants so they can have, so that we can have what no one else has. And we can have the true blessings that you offer. Teach us, God, to put you first. And I thank you in advance for what you are going to do in our lives as we do so. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.